So this approach of listening to what the Lord wants to say through his people, whatever age, gender, race, mental capacity, physical capacity, to let the Lord speak into our lives, the point you made, we'll have to engage, and that's hard because it does mean a giving up, but also being willing to accept the oddities that come with that and the willingness to give up and to learn from the other person. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. If you've been enjoying the podcast, would you take a minute to log on to your favorite podcast platform, rate us, and leave us a review. It would be a tremendous help, and it does allow others to find us more easily. This week, we'd like to thank O. Odejay for their review. They write, Jonathan Youssef asks very knowledgeable questions that give more insight on real-life issues as it relates to the Christian faith. I love that it helps explain life and put it in perspective on daily issues. Thank you, O. Please remember to leave us a review. We would love to share it on the show. We are hearing about more and more families with members with special needs, children and adults. For those who aren't sure what the term means, a person with special needs could have any of several difficulties, such as a physical, emotional, behavioral, or learning disabilities or impairments that require additional or specialized services or accommodations for them to participate and enjoy education vocation, relationships, and recreation. How, as a church, can we better incorporate those with special needs into the body of Christ? How do we pour Christ into them and also benefit from the beauty of God displaying himself through them? As we thought about this topic, I knew exactly who I wanted to have on. Bruce Lowe, one of my former seminary professors, is no stranger to candid conversations He's been here with us before. This time, I invited Bruce and his wonderful wife, Rachel, to join me for a candid conversation about raising multiple children with special needs. In this episode, they share what it's like to raise their children, their struggles, and the beautiful blessing of teaching, growing, and learning from them. Let me give one disclaimer. Every special needs family is different and has different needs. We cannot cover all of the needs in one episode. It's just starting the conversation. However, we hope this episode will encourage the body of Christ to come alongside special needs families to learn about the heartbeat of God for his people. Please join Bruce, Rachel, and I for this insightful, candid conversation. Now, on to that conversation. Well, today we have two special guests. This has been a theme lately on Candid Conversations, which is that uh, we're moving from the one guest format to two guest format for some reason. We just have done that. And so we are welcoming back Dr. Bruce Lowe. Another theme we have here is all my former seminary professors make multiple recurring visits. Um, uh, but now we have a special privilege of having Rachel Lowe, Bruce's wife, Today we're talking about uh, special needs within the family, raising children with special needs. Thank you all for taking the time. 
this is an important conversation and uh, one that I think the two of you will speak so well into. I read something from a panel discussion that you were a part of, and I thought it was helpful. So let me let me read this. Uh, there are a number of ways of speaking within the conversation about people with disabilities or special needs in practical terms. Disability encompasses a wide range of life situations, many of which are completely unrelated to each other. When we loosely say disabilities, we have to remember that we are encompassing a number of very different categories. Those with physical or mobility needs for whom physical access is the priority. Those with learning disabilities or intellectual impairment, communication and understanding also need to be addressed. Those with sensory impairment and sensitivity, visual, auditory, and other senses, where environment and means of communication might need to be adapted. Those with invisible disabilities related to issues such as mental health. And so we understand it is a very wide topic. Special needs is vast. Uh, Disability, the term is is very all-encompassing, as I've just read. So I think it'd be helpful if you just sort of tell us your own story of raising children, what are their special needs, and we'll go from there. Well, our disabilities story is mostly mental, intellectual development. It's a chromosomal issue, that a genetic issue that has affect in their brain, which causes a certain protein to be produced. I always forget. Well, it's certainly, it's, whatever the end result is, that basically the the dendrites, the trees that connect uh, your neurons together in your brain don't grow properly, are kind of stunted, mm. and therefore the mental connections aren't there. Right. So it's called fragile X. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's the disability that we have had to work through and didn't come to our attention until we'd already had three children with yeah. the disability. Okay. wasn't picked up. Uh, because girls are less affected than boys, and our daughter was first, and then our two sons. And it was only because we were um, in a really good public school in Australia at the time, and the teacher sort of brought our attention to it. And that was what sort of set us on the road of mm. recognizing we were going to have a different family. Mm. And um, mm. so we tried the public school system because it was a good school, but unfortunately, Um, Our daughter at that stage couldn't keep up. So we went with what was called School of Distance Education, which allowed us to do schooling from home. Mm. But again, after a couple of years, it became pretty clear that just was still too fast a pace. And that was when we began the journey into homeschooling, not because we're homeschooling rah, rah, but because it just seemed the way the Lord was directing things for us. And uh, for our next son, we went ahead and put him in a preschool system just to see that he'd have some social interaction, but ran into bullying. And he lost a lot of the spiritual life he already had. He was four years old, always very grateful to us and to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And we just thought that wasn't worth it, took him out. Mm -hmm. And by that stage, we were more aware of what we were dealing with. And so... Just thought, you know, we need to give him a chance just to enjoy learning without the extra pressures that would come on him. And that was the physical side um, or the dealing side. And then uh, spiritually, uh, we're really both very thankful to my parents who are Mm -hmm. believers. Their comment was, hey, 
the thing that matters is they know Jesus. Work yeah. on that, yeah. even if they learn nothing else. Yeah, yeah. And so that mm. sort of was a really good benchmark to set for us. And in terms of training the children, we still sought to follow the biblical principles we were aware of. I'm not saying we got it all right, but the things the Lord had showed us or that we thought we understood, we followed through with that. And the Lord chose to bless that and has worked in each of the children in his own way, as he does, because they're each their own person. And we've seen the Lord display himself in their lives yeah. as time has gone on. So, and If I could add to that, too, you know, I think um, for people, who, uh, parents who have disabled children or people who are listening in and, and thinking about how do these people integrate in the church, etc., the point Rachel makes is, is so powerful because they know the Lord, because they came to know the Lord, um, and because they have a very simple faith, a childlike faith consistently, mm-hmm. then they're not questioning and they're just simply trusting the Lord. And so we saw mm-hmm. an amazing testimony back to us about what it meant to trust the Lord and see the Lord answer prayer. You know, the number of times when they were struggling with obsessive compulsive elements that had to do with their disability or um, just fears and anxieties, you know, encouraging our son in particular to go back and talk to the Lord and ask for the Holy Spirit's help and seeing the Holy Spirit's help in such wonderful, tangible ways. Mm. I would say that even as we're branched into the practical Mm. engagement and needs of our kids in terms of job seeking and et cetera, because they know the Lord um, and because we're able to point them back to trusting the Lord and the Holy Spirit's help within their disability itself, Mm -hmm. that has made such a huge difference. Our our daughter went and worked with assistance at a chop house as a server, taking stuff to tables. It was a very chaotic environment. But again, we just felt like, wow, this was way beyond really what her disability might allow. But because she, we kept pointing her back to the Lord, because she Mm -hmm. kept coming back to the Lord, she was able to to go to, to not necessarily thrive in that situation, but she persevere yeah. and she learned perseverance, mm-hmm. which then helped her in her next job situation to push through the, the barrier. Just to pick up on something Rachel said, when you're faced with a disabled child or disabled children, it's easy to forget the basics of, of discipline is still necessary. The mm-hmm. basics of uh, training them up in the law is still necessary. It feels so overwhelming to really help them try to just find their place in the world in general, that those things can fall off the radar. So it's a, almost like a replacement. It's that you're trying to get them acclimated to the world in some sense, and that takes precedent over a spiritual life balance. Yeah, and the other thing to say is I, th- I think that you have to navigate. And again, if listeners have young children, you know, they've just found out about a disability or they have a young child that they're facing up, it is a challenge to work with the system and trying to work out how much am I going to, in a sense, just follow what health professionals might be saying to the nth degree and to what extent do we have to make decisions here. And look, that's an individual journey in many ways. But again, if you're in a healthcare system that is really just pushing for the practicalities of things, you need Mm -hmm. to be aware that as parents, you need to be helping your children and pointing them towards the Lord. Can I say too that So not only in training your children, don't despair like, oh, my child has a disability. What I've often seen is my child has a disability. And as I said, we're talking about mental, intellectual here. Therefore, I need to mollycoddle them. I need to treat them differently. And yes, your approach will probably be different. 
especially if you have someone with sensory issues. Um, probably something we weren't as aware of, but the Lord met our stupidity and helped us with that. But there is still, we need to teach our children to know Jesus. We need to teach the children to pray. We need to model that. We need to discipline with them when they've done the wrong thing, you know, hopefully in the younger years. Now, just like any other family, some kids learned more quickly than others. But as well as a parent, your heart has got to be seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And I think that's what the Lord just kept putting on our hearts. And so ultimately, I just have to come to the point of saying, okay, my kid's not going to go to Harvard or Cambridge. My child is only going to reach, you know, grade two level. But what are my desires? Am I trying to so incorporate my child in the world and functioning that I've forgotten that what they need most is the love and the compassion and to do the things that the Lord wants? So again, as I I, want to honor my parents, they said to us, my mom said from the beginning, she's like, you still read God's word. His word will not return void. Hmm. And from our perspective, yeah. yeah, you're thinking, yeah, but I don't even know if my kid's listening, but that's not the point. It's a, a, an issue of trust. Yeah. So do devotions each night with your kids. Read the scriptures, even if it's a verse, even if for your child it's the same thing every night. Or get a book with lots of pictures. Talk about the pictures talk about Jesus, but mostly it's the modeling of you talk to Jesus all the time, you take your problems, and your little ones will eventually learn that. With our non more nonverbal son, he's the one that probably is the one pointing us back to prayer. Frustratingly so, 10, 15 times a day on that subject he wants to pray about. But the fact is, he has more trust in Jesus than many believers who yeah. live as practical atheists. Yeah. And that's what the mm-hmm. Lord has taught us. It's like, which one really pleases him? The person with all the knowledge and intellect who can rattle off their doctrines or the person who's like, oh, I'd like to take a trip. i got to ask Jesus about that. Mm. That becomes a real eye opener as a parent when you go, oh, wow, I've so valued intellect and knowledge. Mm but my child is displaying true trust in the Lord. And I I think whether it's you training your children, you know, and that discipline side of things, or you following in your heart, the desires for the Lord, am I being motivated by godly things instead of worldly things as a parent? Mm -hmm. And that will also Mm -hmm. affect your outlook. Well, and that comes to health too. Mm -hmm. You know, I've heard um, like in Duncan talking about a, a student of his who was, uh, dealing with cystic fibrosis and the, and the mm-hmm. father wrote to Dr. Duncan and said, I would rather him be saved than well. I mean, to be a father or a mother and, and write something like that, that's a great challenge because we mm-hmm. ultimately we want our kids to be healthy. We want them to be thriving in mm-hmm. some capacity. But as you said, it's like, what are we actually prioritizing and what are we pursuing with them? It's going to turn your world upside down. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think, again, speaking to listeners who are, have uh, disabled children, disabled family members, but also those who are seeking to help those and, mm-hmm. and understand those, you need to understand for you personally, if you're in that situation, but also f- for helping those people mm-hmm. who are in those situations, that their worldview is turned upside down. Your worldview is yeah. going to be completely turned upside yeah. down. And things are going to be challenged 
about your thinking that you didn't even know needed to be challenged. Mm. You know, things like yeah. all of the dreams and hopes that the average person has for their children yeah. are all out the window, yeah. you know. Mm. And so you've got to deal with issues of worth, you know, what is yes. really of human worth, you know, that this person is still valuable um, and they're valuable to the Lord. There's a reason mm. why the Lord has given you yeah. these children. There's a reason why these people are in your church. Yes. Like rather than seeing this as a burden, seeing yes. this as a blessing, if we really believe in the Lord and we believe that the Lord is the one who loves to redeem things and that nothing is an accident in mm. his sight, mm. then, you know, that's going to, affect things but it is going to shake your world up and, and, and as far as encouraging and helping people um, those who are pastoring people with disabled family members need to realize that this is where pastoring begins you know helping somebody to think in a biblical godly way too i mean it does make you wonder how many other areas of my life need to be turned upside down mm-hmm. right this is this is just one in the area of raising children and your hopes and dreams and that sort of thing. But, you know, what other areas of my life could the Lord just flip on its head and, and, Mm -hmm. and really challenge what is it that you prize? Yeah. Um, I think that, and this may be a subject we can circle back around to, but when we did have the opportunity of speaking on the panel, I made the comment that, you know, with all of the issues that we're seeing today, race issues and, mm. and class issues and age divides and, and conflicts within political realms, you know, and the question of peace and of reconciliation is on the table. And I think rightly so, biblically. I mean, mm. the whole foundation of the early church was based on the bringing together of Jews and Gentiles who were right. groups of people who hated each other. Right. And so I think this is a really good point to bring forth. The beautiful thing about disability is that it crosses all boundaries, you know, Mm. that you have age, you have race, you have uh, economics, you have et cetera, and culture. There's a deeper core commonality. There is, absolutely. And so Mm. it seems to me like if the church gets this right when it comes to disability, Mm. then it could very well be that a number of other things just fall into place. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about family life. Uh, We've kind of dipped our toes in there a little bit. So you have three with Fragile X mm-hmm. and you have two without. Mm-hmm. Um, how is interaction in the home, stresses and strains on a marriage? And, you know, we don't have to go into great detail. Well, but thank just, you for asking yeah, that question. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm here for. This is why it's called yeah. Candid Conversations. Yeah. Can I start yeah. by just saying, it's kind of easing our way into this a little bit. I mean, one issue that, again, listeners are going to have to face and that, that people pastoring families with special mm-hmm. needs are going to have to think about is the pressure that's put on the non-special needs yes. family members sure. to consider the future and their role within the future or even their own struggles within that, you know, feeling like, why have I got to be in an abnormal family, quote-unquote? Yeah. Um, and it was interesting that our when our now 15-year-old was younger, he very early picked up on the idea that I may have a role in caring for my siblings when you get older which was kind of an extraordinary thing for him to say at a young age. Mm. But we had an opportunity actually to meet with just randomly at a conference. We met this couple where he was older and both his sister and his mother were mentally incapacitated. Mm. And he was talking to us about the pressure that the siblings face. So that's just kind of just in broad brushstroke terms before we get to the details of our family just to say that, again, being aware 
of the other siblings and the pressure that they might feel is something that is worth speaking of. Mm-hmm. Hopefully this isn't diverging too much, but when it comes to being aware of families and the pressure that they're under, that this is a real pressure from a church family point of view, I believe this was made by one of the men on the panel last time. Often pressure is put on the family who have the disabled family members to fit in with the church life. Mm. And so you've got to keep your autistic child quiet. You mm. have to keep your person with who loves to flap when they get excited with music. You have to calm them down as opposed to understanding the family already feels pressure, sure. and I believe as Show mentioned in our last discussion, there was some a ginormous amount. I, I thought he said 75% of believing families with disabilities members will probably refrain from being part of a church. Mm. Because it's just too hard. It's too hard. Because the expectation by everyone else is keep your kid quiet. Get this is a quote, we're meeting with God and kind of completely missed that meeting with yeah. other believers. The Holy spirit is in us. That's where we're meeting. And you have so, to be outside the camp. Right. <laughs> That's know. right. And so as he said with his own son, he said, I get so tired of every time my autistic son lets out a shout, which he does because that's how his works. Everybody in church turns around and looks at him. It's like, can we just function? Yep, that's my kid. And that was really helpful yeah. because yeah. it verbalized, I think, something we have felt mm-hmm. in not being able to go, for example, to a Sunday school because the person said, well, we can't really have that child in the class. They may disrupt it. It's like, okay, <laughs> well, I guess we just won't go. And so I think mm-hmm. you have to recognize this is, I know, touching on another topic, we might get back to it, but the impact for the church family mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. embrace the family so that they can chill out themselves as they come to be part of the body. Yeah. That's at first level. You asked a question about personal family life. Um, again, I where do we begin? <laughs> yeah. I, I think you still, it's the same whether you've got family members with disability or not, you still need to follow the things mm-hmm. the Lord tells you. And mm-hmm. that is, you know, I sincerely believe with all my heart when we got married that, um, you know, Bruce was head of the home and I was going to submit and, you know, and yes, and the Lord blessed that as we took that approach. But he's also grown so much. He's so loving and leading and there for the problems that we face. And I think the Lord has asked of me to give to sacrifice involvement so that he can do the things that God's called him to do. There's but he recognizes that sacrifice. And mm. so the two have worked together. So mm. there have been things that we just by faith said, okay, Lord, this is what you set out in scripture. We're going to follow it. And he has blessed it. Mm. That's been a 20 something year journey, 30 almost. But well, now you've introduced the topic of complementarianism versus egalitarian, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is a very hot <laughs> issue at the moment. Yeah. So I would say the Lord has taught us how to, work together. Mm. And it's been a lot of sacrifice for both of us, Mm. whatever that might be. Bruce giving up time that he might otherwise prefer to sit very quietly and write something to have to go fix the broken toilet because somebody stuffed it up again and again and again. And that's the kinds of issues you're facing. The reality of life of coming back to the Lord when you're frustrated and you're like, Lord, I am so sick of fixing this thing for my child, you know, but they don't Mm -hmm. understand. They Mm -hmm. don't get it. Um, As a couple, 
the scriptures teaching on oneness is really what has kept us mm. one <laughs> mm-hmm. and just pushing through. And while growing up in Australia, the concept of a date night was pretty much non-existent as far as I could mm-hmm. see. That was a very American idea when we arrived here, which was probably good because we didn't wait for date nights. We just lived life. We connected where we could and when we could. Mm. And just the Lord enabled us to have that as we work to be one. I'm part of what Bruce does is he teaches and he preaches. We talk about the scriptures. We, you know, analyze, exegete together. He asks me how the day goes, where are the kids at? And then is involved, does, you know, reading the scriptures at night where we can. Yeah, I think the answer to the question is, it's hard to answer the question because every family is different anyway. Sure. Yeah. And and I think that even if you have a family where the children don't have, say, genetic illness or special needs in, in a particular way, you might have your son or daughter struggling with, you know, integrating with friends or being bullied or so I think I'd want to say that in terms of like the dynamics of the way our household runs, uh, again, I think I'd just reiterate what Rachel said. Don't get kind of frightened away from just realizing that this is life and mm. and this is the way things run and I have to train my children. We have to teach them to be disciplined and teach mm. them to learn to whatever level they can learn. Mm. And don't don't be afraid to have joy in your family. Yeah. It's not like if listeners are here, you know, you find out you have a special needs child, that it's like I'm now on, on the B track, you know, that it's like... right. Again, remembering that the Lord is in this and remembering that the Lord has chosen this path for you and knowing that there are going to be things, blessings that you can bring back to the body, that your children can bring back to the body because of the experiences that you have, the uniqueness. That's that's the uniqueness right across the board in the body. So I think, um, yeah, look, I mean, we could talk about specifics. Like Rachel said, you know, CDs getting broken constantly, things getting broken um, or, or, you know, obsessions about a book being on a shelf that shouldn't be there according to this person or things moved and hidden and not being able to find them and the frustration. (laughs) We could talk about some of the dynamics, but I think it's just the challenge of being a family in different guise. Uh Um, Yeah. We don't bemoan our, our life and our situation. I think that's important. You, when you see things through faith, you look and see what the Lord's given you mm. and you trust him with that. And I say that is definitely also very Bruce. Bruce is very optimistic. I would say I'm very realistic. And not that he isn't, but I would say I'm more on that end and he's on mm-hmm. the other. Mm-hmm. And that really has been a huge blessing. I would say when I'm down, Bruce has lifted me up. And when he has his moments of that, the Lord has allowed me to be in a better place and we can encourage each other. You still have those days where, um, I mean, I still have a very vivid memory of just falling down on the floor in the bathroom. Everyone was asleep. It was probably midnight and just weeping. I just can't do this. I'm sick and tired of this. And, you know, I think the big struggle for me has been facing death. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, I'm probably going to get emotional here, but... You know when you're going to pass on that your kids will be without you. And so then again, the Lord is saying, okay, are you going to trust me? Just like you've had to trust me with the diagnosis, Mm -hmm. just as you've had to trust me with life. And it's a funkier path than you thought, your amazing journey. So too, you're going to have to trust me. You've got responsibilities, things to do, but you've also got to entrust your children to me. They're mine. I think something really new 
that sounds probably stupid, but at least for me, we love our children dearly. But it's sort of like God is their heavenly father and he actually loves them as well. Personally, their own level. It's always been me being the conduit of God's love to them. But with the Lord wakening our hearts to recognize I am at work in them by my Holy Spirit and they are also a conduit of my love as well as a recipient of it. You have to acknowledge the difficulty of it. You have to acknowledge the things the Lord is teaching you. You have to maybe be in a place of darkness for a time Mm. when you ask those questions, Mm. but make sure you do that with another believer. You know, because it's very Job, isn't it? Right. Because if you're on your own, the struggle's greater. We have the blessing of being able to do that for each other. I know not every situation is that way, right. but this is where it's so vital that the church body understands the need to be there with the person. I and mean, there's other struggles and we do that. Oh, someone's widowed, we should walk with them through that. Though, you know, I just think we struggle to accept other people's sufferings and walk with them through it because it means you've got to get involved and that's really difficult. So yeah, there's a high cost value, right? Right. Yeah. Time, energy, Mm -hmm. emotional effort. We tend to want to conserve those things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We want to keep them for ourselves. Yeah. So that's actually a really good transition into how do we view this as a body of believers? So I'm guessing most of the people listening to this, will not have a child mm. who's in that category mm-hmm. or don't have children yet or, or not really in that sphere, mm. but they will be members of a local community of believers. And I'm pretty sure there will be at least some percentage of people who will be, whether it's a family with a child who's mm. on the spectrum or some physical disability, whatever yeah. it is, or even older, I think of our congregation in Australia and we had several older people who we're dealing with different mental issues. And I saw that model really well Mm -hmm. where people were really giving of their time and effort and energy to look after these ones that the rest of the world has sort of, in a sense, turned their back on. Mm -hmm. You're too much effort. You're too much. So, so let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Is there scriptural evidence for dealing with a special needs person in the body of believers? Absolutely. Okay. So I think in first Corinthians 12, yes, you know, Paul talks about, the body of Christ and many members, you know, and each member having its part. And he also talks about certain members of the body being unpresentable yes. and being treated with special care. Right. And I just think, you know, that he doesn't spell that out, but it's 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 <laughs> it's difficult to to imagine that it's anything other than a broad whatever that means. You know, a broad range. You might have somebody who's come out of slavery, who's who feels beaten down, and you know, they need to be encouraged to use their gifts within the body. You know, someone with mental disability, someone who's mm-hmm. older. So I just think that passage in First Corinthians 12, if listeners could go back and yeah. read that and just yeah. meditate on it, I mean, yeah. it's, it's quite powerful and quite amazing. But what that does then is, Jonathan, is, is it pushes the entire discussion again mm-hmm. back to the bigger question of how is the body being mobilized anyway? Mm-hmm. How are spiritual gifts being used in the body in general? Mm-hmm. And we confronted this question on the panel a little bit and it, it seems to me that, and, we, and Rachel and I talked about it afterwards, it's going to be difficult to integrate somebody's spiritual gifts who has a disability if we're not already integrating the spiritual gifts of people in general. Yes. So it seems to me like the church, you know, the real challenge, the first step challenge here before we get to 
how to help people with disabilities is is the messiness of including anybody yeah. and their spiritual gifts. You know, as soon as a church decides, okay, we're not just going to have things squeaky clean and we're going to have professionals up the front or a mm-hmm. ministry team doing everything, mm-hmm. we're actually going to seek, as Ephesians says, to equip the saints of works of ministry. Mm-hmm. As soon as you go down that messy route, mm-hmm. then you're going to face problems with anybody, right? You're going to have people who aren't quite as proficient musically or who Mm. aren't quite as proficient in in teaching or whatever it might be Mm. uh, who need to be helped and trained and that's going to create problems. But I think for us, you know, that's been the huge kind of eye-opener that the body of Christ needs to be the body. And and if I could circle back around to our kids here and now include the disability Mm. issue, I think the big aha moment for us was shifting from this idea that we are simply the carers of our poor, pathetic children who just need our constant care and attention, but to actually realize that if they know Jesus, they have the Holy Spirit as well. And why is it that my son who can't read is any less of a Christian than me, you know, who's got uh, more training and more education? And so, again, just to give a practical example of this, our son had a problem with hand sucking and in his mid-teens. And that was one of those things where mm-hmm. it was like it all of a sudden appeared. It was an anxiety issue. And in public, he was sucking his hands. It was embarrassing, you know, for a teenage son. And we had to face up to things. And we tried all kinds of kind of mechanistic things to do. And then one day I just said to him, buddy, you can't stop yourself sucking your hands. And he goes, I know I can't. And I said, you need the Holy Spirit's help. And so he came as one with faith and belief in God as I encouraged him to seek the Lord on this. He prayed from that moment. That was the last time he's ever sucked his hands. And so that then spoke back into my life and saying, wow, do I have the faith that my son has yeah, right. in prayer oh, that yeah. the Lord can do things? Yeah. And then there are were, there were other things like, you know, one day our youngest son came to us and said, you know, that that son is, is on his bed, same person is on his bed weeping. And so I went upstairs and here he is curled up in the fetal position. And I said to him, buddy, what's, what's the matter? And he said, you know, I just miss Jesus so much. I just wish he could come back. And the constant prayer of that son mm. was for the Lord's return because he saw clearly the brokenness of himself, mm. the desire that he had for a new body. Mm. And he saw crystal clear that Jesus was coming back to make things all brand new. Yeah. So, so many times that he has prayed, his prayers have been filled with the return of Christ mm-hmm. more than anybody I've ever yeah. spoken to, more than myself, more than anybody else. So all of a sudden it went from a situation of saying, okay, how can I encourage my son towards the Lord to how is my son encouraging me to seek Jesus in ways that I haven't even thought about and, and, and mm-hmm. faith steps and believing in the power of the Holy Spirit in mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. So I think for us broadening that out, that then has made us realize all the more, wow, the body of Christ in all of its diversity and richness needs to be expressed. And so there was one occasion, you know, where I was asked to pray up front uh, by yourself and I texted back to you, you know, um, could Jim come and pray with me? And um, we need to do that more, right? (laughs) I haven't invited him back, but I coached him and said, okay, what are you going to be praying for, buddy? I'll start off and I'll pray for these things. What are you going to pray for? And, and he did, you know, mm-hmm. and, and actually realizing as a community, how can the body of Christ incorporate 
people who actually have things to offer in the body. This is not just a burden to the body that needs to be cared for. This is somebody who can encourage us and bless us in the Christian faith. Which comes back to something you said, Rachel, in terms of the way a church is kind of looking for the neat and proper and tidy and the one who's flapping a lot and is excited. Shouldn't that be showing us the spirit of somebody who's, okay, their mental capacity isn't at, but maybe there's uh, more truth in what they're doing than in my sort of uh, thinking about what others are thinking about myself. That was exactly what the Lord did. We, uh, one of our sons was just so excited that we were singing to Jesus because he loves Jesus and he's, this is the other son and he's, you know, flapping around and, you know, you know, calm down. We had friends with us from Australia and when we got home, she said, Rachel, your son, I looked around and there was all these people properly standing there and you wouldn't know that they had an expression towards Jesus. <laughs> your son is showing yeah. excitement yeah. because he loves Jesus. And her word to me, to us, that was the beginning of the Lord, mm. completely turning it around. And then, of course, the scripture comes alive. You're like, this is Michal or Michael, yes. a daughter of Saul, and David. Yes. She's frustrated that David will not act properly as the king. And he's like, you know what? I really don't care. I'm going to dance, even if yeah. you think I'm doing that inappropriately, because I love the Lord. Because I'm not dancing for you. Right. This is for the, for the glory Lord. of God. Yeah. But David isn't even thinking about it. It's only when Mikhail makes this issue that he's like, well, that's okay. I'd rather be considered with the peasant girls than as a king if I have this freedom to express the joy I have in the Lord. Mm. And I think that this is really a very strong issue that, particularly in America we face. I saw a little less of it in Australia, and I can't speak to other countries. Those are the two I know the well, best. that's our two top listened to countries. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, good, good company here. Um, there is such a desire for professionalism and mm. programs and things. Decent and in uh, order. Decent and in order that we've completely missed that the Lord is a very organic person. He is a father of a family. And if you've got a family, you realize how messy that is. And just the Lord keeps constantly bringing back to us, families are going to be a messy place. They're going to be, yes, you can teach, you can train, but you have to allow the uniqueness of each person. And that could involve the person who calls out and the person who isn't great. We have friends in North Carolina who are really, I think, are aware of this. They have brought on board a young lady with disabilities. I believe it's mental disabilities. And she helps on their singing team. And she leads up the front. A new pastor came in. He's like, no, 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 no. This this isn't sort of all running decently and in order. And now this young lady will be out of a way of service. Now, how did they know that? They got to know her and realized she had the ability to sing. Mm. And so they have spent the time to get to know her, and that is going to be a messy procedure. So say a person with physical disabilities, we're going to actually have to engage with them and say, what would you like us to do? Do you want me to push the wheelchair in or not? No, like, nope, I don't. Great. Then they don't want that service. Mm. But there might be something else. They're like, I actually really want to be involved in, you know, helping to lead something. Oh, well, we need to start to let God blow our boxes apart mm-hmm. and we need to allow the Holy spirit to work. And like Bruce pointed out, we were chatting about the giving of gifts. One of the reason I think as we discussed it, the giving of gifts is 
in the Greco-Roman world, you had so much reciprocity and gift giving, mm. but ultimately who won? It was the person with the most money who mm-hmm. could give out the most. Right. So what does God do? He steps in and gives amazing gifts to people who are slaves, mm. people who are broken people in their community. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't surprise us that the people who are going to have the most expression of the Holy Spirit or the simplest and therefore the strongest faith are those who in the world don't have anything to offer or give. Mm-hmm. And we need to be open to that, to let the Lord speak and do his work in the people who are outside yeah. our boxes. Yeah. And that will be messy. Church is going to have to change yeah. if we're going to include others. Yeah. Yeah. What, what a testimony to the gospel it is. That it's the gospel that God takes broken things and he makes them better. And he makes them well, and he and he and he uses them in spite of things, and mm. and I think that's just such the picture. So, yeah, as Rachel was talking, I'm just thinking, what would it look like if you had a person sitting up the front who had some kind of disability? That it, it's it's parading, you know. But I think like what Rachel said, it's parading good things. It's parading the yeah. gospel itself. But you know what Rachel was saying before? I think that the squeaky clean. It's it's. People we've got up front have to be good looking. They have to be wearing the right things. You know, it feels like Phariseeism. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's exposing of that. And I and I think that's the wonderful thing about this. Yeah. Disability is just kind of cuts across so many categories. And if mm. we let it cut across those categories, if we let the messiness that families are already experiencing spill into and become the messiness of church life, then I think the Lord's going to do some amazing things. Just in thinking in your own experience and and being part of a a church body, what would your words of advice to the members in the congregation who see that there's a family with a young one who's going through something or an adult who has a mental Mm -hmm. or a physical handicap? You know, um, I think our proclivity is to just sort of ignore or not engage. And we talked Mm -hmm. about this a little Mm -hmm. bit earlier in terms of like, there's some cost to that, right? Mm Because you have to be more patient. Typically you have to be, I remember in Australia, we had a young, uh, not young, he was in his sixties, short. uh, You could barely understand what he was saying. Mm -hmm. So I had to work really, really hard to understand what he was saying Mm -hmm. because I really wanted to have a conversation with him to engage with him. But, you know, to those people who are saying, you know, Hey, I don't understand them. I don't know what's going on over there. Maybe they're even afraid of saying the wrong thing. Yeah. I think that can yeah. tend to be more the more yeah. the case. What are your sort of words of encouragement to people who are members of a body who see there's someone with special needs? How to engage with that? How to help recognize and see their gifts and benefit from that? You know, there's the broad kind of hopefully obvious things, but, you know, let me just say them anyway, that just engaging, just starting somewhere. It's kind of a little bit like evangelism, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. just like, you just got to do it. Start you just got to try yeah. it. Yeah. Open and, your mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and mistakes will happen and that's fine. And so I think just being willing to get back on the horse, you know, that mm. you've had the awkward conversation last week, just have another awkward conversation next week and, yeah. and, and have another one the week after and then yeah. do something. It gets better. And then right? invite the person out for an awkward time together, you know. <laughs> I mean, let's just be truthful and being willing to kind of give. But I think what I'd also like to say again is to circle back around to this theme of the body. And if someone has the Holy Spirit, that person has something to contribute. Going with a sense of Mm. expectation of what am I going to learn? Mm. How am I going to be helped by this conversation? Mm -hmm. The mentality is I'm going to put in all the effort 
in this capacity, right? That's right. Yeah. I'm not going to be a recipient of something. Here. Right. I just think that's huge yeah, that right across the board. Um, I just think that has to be a mentality change in general, yeah. you know, that we go to people breaking down our own barriers, breaking mm. down the barriers of thinking that I'm in the superior position mm. here of power. I'm the competent intellectual person. I'm the well-bodied person. Mm. I'm going to be the person to give out. And why am I giving out so that I can leave the conversation and feel good about myself mm. that mm. I have given out? Yeah. But the feeling good about yourself might be coming away from the situation feeling like, wow, Lord, thank you that you've taught me some stuff through this. Mm -hmm. um, again, you know, Josh and communion, yeah. um, very nonverbal, but he just is so excited when oh, communion takes communion. place, yeah. you know, just like, wow, and he, he's kind of smiling and mm. leaning and across and to me. To us. Yeah, and he's saying, Jesus, Jesus, um, Jesus took the big smack for me. And so he understands the gospel in those terms. He'll say, you know, we're going to be with Jesus. He's going to say, you know, here, Josh, have some of this food. And I'm going to sit with Jesus. And he just has this real living, concrete mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. So I'm being blessed when my son goes up and takes communion. And as we go up, actually, to grab the bread and the wine, he's so excited that he's turning to the person next to him and shaking their hands. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. People who don't, he doesn't even know, you know. And he's, this is supposed to be a somber moment. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Right. It's like <laughs> we're celebrating, yeah. are we not? Exactly. exactly. So that's he's in a celebratory that. mood and he's turning to people. And again, the response of those people is different, uh, but it's often polite. Sure. But it's like, to what extent are those people actually receiving and being blessed? Mm. So I think I would want to say, and this is a big call because it's not just challenging the way we approach disabled people. It's mm. challenging the way that we approach anybody. Yeah. To what extent am I wanting to see the Lord work through that person back into my life? Mm. To what extent am I coming to give, of course, but to actually receive? Sometimes mm. receiving is harder mm. than giving. Mm. If we get this, I mean, it is that one of the fundamentals as a believer it doesn't have to be a person with disabilities, though that has its own and unique approach. Because, as you said, you may have to struggle to hear the person, but probably sometimes that person will just be very thankful that somebody even spoke to them, to mm -hmm. be honest, mm -hmm. and go home. If, you, if somebody did that two or three times, if someone just greeted a person, I mean, you get to the point where that disabled person would feel like they were their friend because yeah. so few people speak Absolutely. to them. Absolutely. But if I have that same attitude with my African-American brothers and sisters, with my Asian brothers and sisters, you know, with my teenage child, when I come and I say, Lord, I know you may have something for me to offer, but what would you have me receive from this person? Mm -hmm. It puts me, one, I, there's not all this pressure on me to perform. Two, it keeps me humble. I'm not the one doing all the giving. There's other people out there, mm -hmm. you know, and, and saying male, female, I mean, how often a woman says something and the men just go, oh, you know, and they don't listen because they haven't heard the Holy Spirit speaking through that woman. Mm -hmm. And um, same, you know, my teenager, well, I'm teaching my teenager, but God is at work in them, even mm -hmm. though they're struggling and wrestling. So this approach of listening to what the Lord wants to say through his people, whatever age, gender, race, mental capacity, physical capacity, to let the Lord speak into our lives the point you made, we'll have to engage, and that's hard because mm. it does mean a giving up, mm. but also being willing to accept the oddities that come with that 
and the willingness to give up and to learn from the other person. Like, as I said, my African-American friend, she has two sons with disability, as well as dealing with her husband's own issues from um, an accident they had in the past. And she's carrying a very heavy burden. But in a sense, we are sharing as sisters in Christ, very similar situations. And by her coming into my life, there are things I am learning that, you know, are, are a blessing. And she's a real help to me. Um, just sending a verse. That's what about yeah. what we can do. There's not that much time we can engage because we're both busy in, in where we're at. But mm. um, it doesn't matter. I mean, the Lord is, as Bruce said, I think disability opens us up to recognize we've got to change as the people of God mm. if we want the Lord to step in and really begin to work amongst the people of God. So, mm. anyway. I think, um, you know, one thing that I would add to is that I think churches need to think about like being willing to, in a sense, be educated themselves, leadership within the church, being able to say, okay, you know, I think the mentality can be, we don't want to even go down this road. Let's kind of minimize, let's start a department, you know, to kind of put these people aside so that they can be properly cared for. Again, that's removing them from the body. So if there's some genuine discussion about how to integrate them within the body, which is messy, but if, again, people are listening and, and leadership within church, church leaders are listening to this, you know, I would just encourage to go down the messy route, but also to be willing to seek advice from outside. Mm-hmm. And I would say as well, being willing to seek advice from unbelievers. Yeah. Uh, I think this is tremendously important. My, my sister is within the health department in Australia, and she's, she's seen a lot of cases of disabled families, etc. And she's given some really good advice about just the practicalities of that mm-hmm. with aged care and some of these things. Mm-hmm. And I just came away from conversations with her thinking, this is super helpful. Mm-hmm. So I just think being willing to kind of embark on a situation where we don't think we have it all together. You know, I think, I think the danger mm-hmm. is for some leaders who will be listening here thinking, well, I've gone to seminary, I've got my seminary training, you know, I've got my theology straight, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like this, this again is going to break your boundaries open. Mm-hmm. And it's There's no have, class on this in yeah. <laughs> seminary. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah. So being able to navigate the messiness, being able to seek advice, being able to, mm-hmm. you know, even, even coordinate with other pastors who've, who've sought to do it mm-hmm. and give some time, you know, yeah. to actually say, right, we're going to spend a year just getting in different consultants and making up a plan here and trying some stuff and, you know, working hard. And, and again, like I said before, it could work in a kind of uh, reverse way to bless the church mm-hmm. that how do we integrate a special needs person could lead us to ask questions. How do we integrate people in general? Yeah. Well, this is um, helpful and challenging and um, I hope everyone listening perhaps had uh, some new insights on thinking about this. And we're not just talking specifically about special needs. You've certainly made the application that it's, we need to be looking at each other uh, how am I giving and receiving on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night, or whatever capacity that looks like? And um, so, Bruce and Rachel Lowe, thank you so much for taking the time to come and be on Candid Conversations. We're very grateful for uh, for you being with us. Thank you. Great to be here. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. 
And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It does help people to find us. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.